again this week we have got a very exciting interview lined up for today we're going to be sharing some interesting stories all the way from africa and to start us off as always we've got amanda to take it away thanks jerry so today folks we have the gorgeous salam she's come to us from ethiopia and she's going to be talking to us about her experiences her life and also all things hepatitis b so salam Thank welcome. You. Thank you very much welcome. for having me. Very yeah. appreciative of it. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for and having me. And just want to start off by talking about where you're from and how you got here to Australia. All right. So, well, my name is Salam Faleke Tegang and uh, I'm from Ethiopia. Also Ethiopian Eritrean. My mum's Eritrean and my father's Ethiopian. So I arrived in Australia at about uh, 2004. So came straight from Kenya because of the political corruption and problems that were there currently at the time in Ethiopia we had to leave and we were obviously refugees in Kenya and we stayed there for about four years and eight months until we processed our application to either go to the US or Australia so the US application didn't go through and Australian application ended up coming through so you know that worked out really good mm-hmm. and we came here and um, which was an interesting lifestyle when we did get here because transitioning to the different culture environment food atmosphere everything was just a challenge and did you come straight to Perth? Straight to Perth, straight to Perth. and I've always re- resided in Perth yeah. so it felt like quite a struggle because where we come from as you know you know we're the community is so huge mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. neighborhood, both in a suburb and where we come from. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled as a young child when I was you know, in Australia because I felt like I didn't really fit in mm. in the classic Australian, you know, like I had to pretty much, we had to create our own little group and be comfortable yeah. with mm. either other Africans or other Europeans. It just felt like a mission, you know, mm. and that culture shock was, was actually um, quite well, not disturbing, but it was very hard to get mm. through. So you were, yeah. I was just going to ask, what yeah. was the community like, the Ethiopian community back then? Was um, there much touch points for you, or you had to pretty much start from scratch? This is when our people are really good. When you first come into an environment where you haven't been in, they mm. really welcome you, support you, yeah. and help you get through the hurdles. Mm. You know, but then again, everyone's working, everyone's got yeah. their own duty, so. Yeah. You know, for the times when they're not around, you pretty much have to find your way around. But luckily for us, because it was due to the humanitarian visa that we came with, um, Australia was quite lucky enough for us to give us a representative who took care of us for the year or two and helped us transition. So showed us our house where, you know, my parents needed to go to TAFE or where I needed to go to school. So that comfort was there. It just, Mm. there was that part of loneliness that Mm. it was, I couldn't explain. Mm. Like I would go to school, I would do my units, you know, everything was fine. But during breaks and after school, during the weekends, So for the first three years, I really hated Australia. I wanted to leave. Mm, so this is... Because, you know, even though we were in Kenya, yes, life was a little bit difficult, but you had that community, mm. you know. And mm. cultural, yeah. How so, big is your family? So I've got a younger brother, mm-hmm. my mum and my dad. So it's just the four of us. The four of you, wow. Okay. Yeah, so my parents went straight into work and straight into studies. Mm. Then we both... We obviously went to school, finished high school. Initially I wanted to be a lawyer, but 
family kind of convinced me yeah. to go into other avenues just in case I didn't get a job just because right, of what yeah. happened. Was that a real pressure for you? Did you have to? Oh, it was a massive pressure yeah. because it was everyone. It wasn't just mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. I understood where they came from. Yeah. Mm. It, it was just in case I spent all those years working so hard. Mm. And due to obviously my appearance of being a brown yeah. skin and other reasons that yeah. are around mm. racial issues that were current at the time, but people believe mm. that were not current. So that kind of scared me a little bit and I said, okay, well, I went back home to celebrate my 18th birthday and this, my whole family said, you know, you can only apply the, the rule of law and the constitution in that one place. You can't carry it around if you were to move. Whereas if you were to do pharmacy, do medicine, nursing, health is health, medicine is medicine. Mm. It's the same everywhere, yeah. you know. Mm. Just a quick question. When you say home, does that now mean Kenya or back to Ethiopia? Ethiopia. Okay. Mm. But I, I see Kenya as home too because right. I, when I arrived there, I was turning, I think, seven. Mm. So I learned the language. I could mm. speak Swahili. I adapted quite well to the environment. So it was really sad. And I actually lost my Swahili because I didn't use it. And if you don't use it, you lose mm. it, you know. Mm. So there were a few friends from Kenya, but um, not at school. Where did you live in Kenya? Were you in a... In Nairobi, in a city. Oh, in a city. life was not too bad. So you had an apartment or... At a one-room, I wouldn't say apartment, but just a one-bedroom. That was probably half this room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we just had, like, you know, the basic things, and we went okay with it. It wasn't yeah. really yeah. a big issue. And I didn't see it as that when I was a kid because mm. all you worry about is playing and, you yeah. know, mm. eating, going to school, but you just see your parents mm. just trying to be strong for you. Yeah. Yeah. When you came to Australia um, and you said you had someone to help you for a couple of years, was that yeah. through the Red Cross? It wasn't Red Cross. It was from immigration straight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So an advocate of some it sort. It was advocate yeah. straight through immigration. Okay. Yeah, her name was May. She was really lovely. And so you had to go straight into a school? Yes. Right. So I went to Prath Modern High School. Yeah. In Subiaco. Hey. Yeah. Oh. And that was... Uh, I'm That's quite a good passionate. school to go yeah, to. Yeah, very good school. very good school. It was a good school. Yeah. And I played the violin. And unfortunately, oh. I'm quite, you know, creative and artistic. So I ruined that by um, doing woodwork. <laughs> And that was so stupid because there was one teacher who was actually very racist and he really ruined my uh, time at that school. So I was very upset that day and I had his class coming up the following afternoon and I was making a little cover for like pencils and pen. And that day I I went the wrong way because the machine tells you which way you go when you want to cut the wood. Mm. So it... I was meant to be going straight forward, but I went the opposite way and I actually tore my index finger and the ligament mm. and that's how I would press to obviously play the violin. Mm. So that career kind of wow. stopped there and I stopped pursuing medicine, bec- I mean, um, I stopped pursuing violin yeah. because of it. Yeah. But Breath Modern School was really good. Yeah. 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 Learned a lot. Were there many people from Africa there? Yes, there was a lot of us. Ah, yeah. Great. A lot of us. And that's what made the whole culture transition at ease because we had, you know, mm. a lot of people from Africa, a lot of people mm. from obviously the Arabian um, region, a lot of people from Europe. We all had similar issues yeah. of transitioning mm. and whatnot. Luckily, I spoke English when mm. I came here, so it was just more perfecting my English. English wasn't an issue for me. Mm. So, you know, f- having the need to help others that struggled with it gave me that satisfaction. Mm. Oh, I could be of use, if, mm. you know, while I wait for things to settle down. Mm. Do you find that you had to learn a new kind of English? Because for me, I remember coming and 
having to um, just learn colloquial terms and okay. having to readjust my mind to understanding that, oh, this is actually what it is. Definitely. Like, I couldn't walk around without a thesaurus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not using this word. This is too basic for me. <laughs> so my English classes were just amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, of course, the, you know, right. they've got to love the Australian yeah. lingo, you know. Did you have a dog's eye at lunchtime? Oh, I did. <laughs> How can you not, mate? <laughs> Honestly, it was the best of things. No, I adjusted, and the memories yeah. were really good looking back mm. now. And mm. you know, after a while, you settle in. Yeah. yeah. Some um, families and people that I've talked to say that when they come to Australia, um, and the children sort of, you know, they sort of get into the culture a lot easier than the parents do, mm. and the parents take time. And some parents just keep the same culture in Australia That's true. and the same rules rules and regulations and things that you, you would in your own country. That's very true. Yeah, and that creates such a conflict within the family. So is oh, that, yeah. can you talk to that? Has that happened to yours or is... Oh, definitely has. Uh, For me, well, because of, well, obviously because of the political structure of our country, a lot of us young kids have had to grow up very quick. We've mm. had to mature very quick. So a lot of us didn't really think like kids. We thought like our parents did. Mm. So we were already mature, so mature that we forgot our childhood. Like I can't really say I've had a good childhood because it was either being concerned about, you know, our mum and dad, okay, they look a bit distressed, what's going on, this mm. happened, they lost this, they lost that, you know what I mean? Mm. So you come here and then you see them still struggle because of the language and then mm. struggle because of work. Mm. And so you're just watching them just, you're just you're there to support them, of course, mm. but the struggle is evident and you can't deny it. Mm. So then there's the different culture, the different rules of our own culture and then there's the Western civilization culture where things are quite easy and things are laid back. So to make them happy, you kind of really need to sacrifice mm. and just put your own you know, feelings inside or try and come to terms with, look, you know, we are in the 21st century. Our culture states this and where we are right now, this is how it is. Yeah. So can we come to terms where we can have, you know... Give an example of that. Yeah, that could be, for example, maybe from what I remember, is going to a party or a sleepover which was a big no. Mm. I've probably had one sleepover in my life, that's all that I know of. And that took me a while to work hard to earn it because where we come from, it's about the safety and uh -huh, you're going yeah. over to a sleepover. Mm. You don't know who's going to be around because yeah. from where we come from, there is no such thing as a sleepover. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you want to spend time, you spend time as long as you want at your neighbor's yeah. house and the kids are normally from that one suburb, you know? So there's that, or if you want to go out to a party, you've obviously got a curfew but then again the, normally the parties in Australia begin when the curfews end for us <laughs> so it's like say say goodbye to it so there'll be yeah. a conflict there'll be yeah. a disagreement yeah. and you know then the parents do worry about alcohol maybe drug mm. misuse and whatnot mm. personally I never drank or smoked or anything you know during yeah. growing up just to make sure that they were happy mm. but there are others who will not have this open communication or are not able to do that yeah. because of many other reasons, yes, yeah. you know, or having, you know, boyfriend girlfriend relationships, mm. which are not allowed to, even, you know, to to be had. So there's all that, and right. so it's pretty much sitting uh, and having a negotiation with Gosh, your parents. Yeah. God, yeah. that is that's full on. Isn't and there's it? many more, I'm sure, which I can't think of yeah, at the moment, especially through the teenage years. Yeah. My God. 
When you speak about your parents going through things and you noticing that they are processing things, difficult things, um, I understand from even from my background that accessing mental health services is not the first stop. Is that something it's not even talked about? Does right. it even exist? So yeah. I guess you're saying mm. now they're in a new country and trying to bridge that gap and telling them this is how things work here. I guess were you ever in a position to suggest um, that they reach out for those kinds of services, or how do they manage? See, the thing is because they've gone through a lot because of just life in itself, you know. Mm. Kind of, like losing just because you have to leave your country because you mm. have to do this yeah. they have already experienced that mental trauma mm. the anxiety the distress yeah. you know my dad ended up having to be a diabetic because of it you know so so to see for us to see them like that became so normal right. that right. when i came here we were all busy trying to just settle ourselves mm. So we didn't, I didn't, it never came across to me. They were a lot happier, if anything. Mm. It was the other way around. Yeah. Mm. You know, it yeah. was just more the language, but yeah. mm. then obviously they were going to TAFE. They were having support with the language. Yeah. Yeah. But where we come from, mental health is so taboo. Mm. It's Not so sacred. It's, you, you just carry it within you yeah. until you pretty much, you break that, that mental health mm. illness becomes a physical illness where it's so evident that you yeah. need... Yeah. some kind of medical intervention yeah you know and funny mentioned mental health i think we all need mental health assistance oh. because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. generational trauma and just yes. the moving from yes. one environment yeah. yes. to another yeah. yeah so mental health doesn't have to be all the serious illnesses no, no. You, you know you can inherit it all can't you i mean exactly. look at the stolen generation and things there like you that go. in australia so we, we inherit the trauma, mm. you know, yeah, and it manifests in different ways as you grow up. And if that DNA yeah. hasn't healed, and mm. you just continue having, you know, obviously children, the next generation mm. will have that carry, will carry it within yeah. them, yeah, and and it continues. But I wish if there was something that immigration had done for a lot of people that come to the country, lawfully or unlawfully, mm. whichever way it may mm. be, I can't be of judge to that because people make their own choices, mm. you know, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't even go to that topic. Yeah, yeah. It's just to have some mental health support for mm. people to help transition, like you would help yeah. transition with language and mm. yeah. housing and, mm. you know, etc. Have you heard of assets? assets. I, I, brief, I did hear someone talking yeah, about assets briefly. Um, an organisation that uh, have great support for people that have experienced trauma from different countries around Fantastic. the world. And yeah. they have a lot of programs and counsellors and things. That's and amazing. They're very good. Yeah, they've been around for a little while. Uh, I think, I don't know, 15 years or so. 15 years, yeah. that's very good. And, yeah, so they provide a lot of great services that, um, you know, there's a lot of referrals there, you know, for that's people. That's good. Yeah. I hope there's more because a lot of people are quite suffering in silence. Yeah, I know, that's yeah. the thing. The mission is to get them out itself, yeah. let alone, you know. Well, you're a psychiatric nurse. Yeah, so so I see this. And it just fascinates me to see a lot of either the European or the Australians who voluntarily seek that support. Mm -hmm. It just, it never ceases to amaze me how I just think to myself, I wish other people did the same. Mm. Because really, you're helping yourself. Mm. That taboo is just for a split second. I know. It's so entrenched, isn't it? Mm. You know, and it's the same with hepatitis B. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) it's so true. Stigma. You know, like the... The, the education levels around hepatitis B um, yeah. in the people that I work with in various countries uh, is so low mm. and there's just no understanding but there's a strong stigma 
and there's a strong belief that all the belief patterns are actually incorrect, Correct. you know, from a medical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But because they're um, firmly believed that that's how it is and that's how people live by it. Yeah. And it's so difficult to break that, to break that barrier. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of them do believe, obviously, in natural medicine and, you know, using naturopath. Mm. You know, there could be you could be drinking herbs, tea, mm. or maybe just you know. There's a mm. lot that they can make up from both from African regions yeah. or European. You know what I mean? So it's just more. It's the way you're brought up, which is toughen up, harden up. Yeah. You know, so exposing your emotions or your personal problems is just something you you do not do. Mm. So you see that uniform across from your parents, your grandparents. And then you become like it. Then your kids, mm. so it's that they just witness mm. that, and then yep. their kids witness yeah. that until we break that barrier really and that cycle. To even recognise that there's a problem. Mm. Like a few years ago, talking to a group of friends and actually acknowledging that as an international student, a lot of people will come here with just their FA, their FA, and their first semester fees. Yep. Yep. And just imagine the stress of working $20,000, working all day, all night, going to classes. If you don't go to class, they're going to report you to immigration. You're going to go back home. Especially for international students. It's so important. Also managing your visa status. You can't breach that. Uh, but everyone just kind of carries it like, yep, that's a part I of life. Mm, I don't know and how you go through this, but kudos to you. Right? Oh, mm. too many. <laughs> yeah, survive, but that survive. mental stress is all you need for you yeah. for you to decline yeah. in yeah. your mental well-being. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. you know it's it's stress, and then mm. it's anxiety, then it's depression. Yeah, and then it's next to obviously major depression, PTSD, mm. all that stuff, and whatever yeah. you experience. Yeah. yeah, you know, then you end up having like. You know, personality disorder, or by it, mm. it just doesn't end. Mm. It keeps going on. Yeah, so att- yeah. you know, deal with it right yeah. then and there. Yeah. yeah. But so I don't. Well, you. I guess. I was just going to say, you're changing the next generation. So. I'm hoping to. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Because I then was going to ask that how generation your will be broken. Yeah. You have decided to uh, pursue this career path. What interested you about? Well, obviously, not just sec- like mental health, but for me, mm. I've worked in you know medical, surgical, like in so many areas, to witness how medicine affects and impacts people's mm. lives. Yeah. You mm. know. For a lot of people, it could just be, yep, it's an illness, you're in, you're out, you've got your treatment, goodbye. But for a lot of us, just to get to the hospital, it's a mission yeah. that's depressing itself. So you've got a mental health problem before you get to the hospital mm, yeah. that yeah. you need to work with, you know. So it's for me, it's to educate, obviously, yeah. my community or be open enough to have people come up to me in private, it be, or whatever, mm-hmm. and give them that support system, and which I've done throughout my career. I mean, I haven't counted it, but it could be for referrals, you know, and just ease the, the nerves of people when they've got an appointment to be at. Maybe they need to get their eyes checked yeah. or go to the doctors for something mm. particular. You know, that's all we need sometimes is just mm. reassurance. It's okay, mm. you know, and... Are you active more. in your community for Ethiopia? Are you? Yeah, well, my yeah. father and I have done a lot of community work, ah. and he's done community work all his life, yeah. really. And in the women's department is where my role is mm-hmm. in, and it's more to do with education, support, and just help women get through their hurdles. Maybe you could become a happy ambassador for us. Why not? <laughs> Look, by the end of the day, we need to get people feeling confident. Yeah. And the issue is just opening that 
topic yeah. to begin with. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. just correcting some of the yeah. myths and misinformation. Yeah. Is, um, what is hepatitis B like in Ethiopia? Look, not just in Ethiopia, but I think in a lot of the African countries, mm-hmm. we are very unfortunate when it comes to sanitary, you know, water, water management especially um, when it comes to education about health and medicine, when it comes to open communication within the family. So a family member might have hepatitis B mm-hmm. and might ignore the signs for a very long time because mm. where we come from, unless you're tired enough, unless you're physically weak and ill, yeah. Yeah. you just do yeah. not entertain yeah. about going to seeing a doctor. Yeah. And obviously the problem with that is that it really starts to damage your organs, especially the liver. Like mm, if you mm. do not attend the, mm. to, to those symptoms or just get an opinion, mm. you know, you, you have fatty liver, then it's cirrhosis and it's hep B, then mm. it could yeah. be all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, so that education we don't we don't have, or maybe it's a lack of we don't communicate about it because our parents do not talk to us about it. Yeah. And there's another issue of, you know, where things are kept quite private, so things are kept secrets. Yeah. Your entire life you're not going to find out unless, until maybe a member has passed away yeah. or they take it to the grave yeah. with them. Yeah. And you think, yeah. why would you? Like, let's stress about this together. Let me support you so you can get through. Mm. Then later on you're just sitting there thinking, was I not important to this person? So you start thinking, deviating to other paths mm. when it's not the case. Mm. And in Africa, unfortunately, it is quite prevalent. And because I didn't grow there, I haven't witnessed it much. But from reading articles and meeting a few people here that who, ha- who have had it, mm. they do not talk about it. Mm. Yeah. It's not a cup of tea conversation. Yeah. It's not a conversation for the family. And I wish you know, medicine had improved in Africa, both in my country and in Africa. And that comes down to the politicians. Mm. (laughs) The politicians, I'm not blaming everything on them, but in order for a country to progress and, you know, to get better for the citizens, the the politicians need to implement a lot of the services. Exactly. Mm. Number one is vaccination. Mm. How many countries in Africa are vaccinated Mm. for the kids from a right... Mm. I don't really remember. I didn't mm. have any until I came here, except for the couple or two that were very important. So we lack mm. that education, you know, and that's because it wasn't given to us, not mm. because we are not, you know, able to educate ourselves. Because mm. one of the biggest transmission routes with Hep B is mother to baby during the birth. Exactly. Mm. And so that's in Australia we get the vaccine within 12 hours of being born. Mm. So I think that if, you know, if that's missed you know, in your country, I think then that... You're not running yeah, the risk you have, of definitely just, having it. Yeah. So you can imagine the risk is yeah, definitely Yeah, 95% you'll yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah you so definitely have so it. High. So, so many of us could be walking around and we don't know that we do mm. have it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, whereas, obviously, for me, like in my area of work, you know, we do get tested for hepatitis B mm. and to see if the immunity level is up to scratch mm. in that case great how many of us are nurses out there to get that privilege mm. it's not something that mm. is thought of you know we have to go through so many immunization screening to make sure that we're covered yeah you know i can't remember how many vaccines i've had but i'm so vaccinated that i'm just like COVID 19 <laughs> definitely just jab me with it let's get it out of the way you know but those are the kind of things I wish we had back home, which would support not just hepatitis B, but yeah. especially hepatitis C and all yeah, the cure illnesses. for that as well. Yeah, and just families just letting yeah. their kids know, you know, this is what's happened, and but 
Mm. Hopefully we well, can I think that you're being an, a great advocate here in your own community for women's health. Yeah. So, you know, it, helps it, it does help if you yeah. can get that message oh, out. Oh, definitely. And also, we have to break down the taboos around hepatitis B, but also mental health, you know. Mm. Mental health is so it's crucial. So, yeah, it is. And um, I, I guess people don't realise it until you start talking. And the thing know. is, that's all you need. Start Starting to talk about yeah. it helps people just... Just take that load um, off and yeah. you think, it wasn't that hard. It's mm. never going to be that hard, yeah. you know. But the two words, stigma and taboo, mm. is the issue with the mm. flags. And mm. and I think it comes around trust, mm. having that trust between people. And I don't want to put our community out to be looking, um, to look bad, but it's just where we come from. We'd like to chat, you know, over a coffee. We might talk, and they say mm. this, say that, say this. And some personal information might slip out about a person, yeah. and yeah. then the gossiping begins. And this happens with a lot of Everybody. communities, <laughs> not just, you know. Yeah. So then there's that fear of, if I say something, will, it, will yeah. someone bring it up? And if there's a particular person who is quite chatty in the community, then you have that anxiety, yeah. you know, and you're mm. like, how do I... So there's, I couldn't imagine for those who have mm. certain illnesses that they do keep it quite yeah. private to themselves and yeah. want to talk about it, that mental anguish mm. must be... Well, it's suffering in silence, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's deeply hard because even when I consider getting a therapist, I'm always quite particular that they're not from the African community. And to I be honest, I don't... Yeah, yeah. Even though they're bound by confidentiality, I'm just not sure yeah i'm not sure mm. and you know that's yeah it's exactly right yeah wow so it's it's a difficult process so you imagine someone who's taken the step to decide they want to talk about their illness mm. they want to talk about this but now there's the next barrier who's the most appropriate person mm. to discuss this mm. with mm. so i think yeah a lot a lot needs to be done but i think there are options there are options but i think we're just not ready to access them. access them yeah so we're not looking yeah I'm still mm. trying to deal with what yeah. if someone talks about my problems? Yeah. You know, if you guess to someone that you obviously don't want to, which is fair enough. Mm. Yeah. 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 We all need a bit of a confidence booster, so it's that trust. And this is where I was taught when I, we had a community gathering with Headspace, this was last year. I was just saying a lot of the, like the Department of Health could consider having mental health liaison officers and consultants within divisions of different community groups. Mm. It could be African for, you know, Ethiopian or Zimbabwean mm. or Ghanaian. It could be whatever, or even Italians, because they're those who do not speak the language, you know. And if we have representatives as liaison mm. officers that might encourage some positivity, yeah. you know, yeah. some trust, not for all, but mm. if it helps one person, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. And that's mm. one of the discussions I was having, and I was, and I hoped that maybe one day we could have that. Mm. But you know, it's a baby step, and maybe we can get there. Yeah. Yeah. At least GPs have like someone that they can refer to mm. and have that counselling. Mm. You know, it's it's a yeah. process to be worked around, but it. I mean, it works for other things, yeah. for diabetics, yeah, you know, for those right. with, yeah. like, yeah. Can't, obviously cardiac problems. So why yeah. couldn't it not work for mental yeah. health problems? Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. And mental health is not just a big umbrella for, you know, is it schizophrenia? Is it, you know, BPHD? Oh, no. It's 
that put that that's all there's a spectrum isn't there yeah it's yeah. such a spectrum yeah. you know and, and we're all affected by it at some point in our lives exactly yeah. for some it comes early for some yeah. it comes mid but being aware about it yeah gives you that tool and power to yeah. really help yourself and the people around that's you that's right because we all come in our lives we all come into challenges and sometimes we need help around that challenge exactly and then we're okay correct and then another problem arises and we need a bit of support yeah. because in our this you know in Perth culture, the small family is so insulated and isolated. Isolated as well. You know, so we're not the extended family. So who do so you go true. to? Yeah. There's Who no do one. you go yeah. to? Yeah. So it's really important that we utilise some services yeah. periodically throughout our lives. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of services available in mental health. Yeah. Just got to access them. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a community mental health um, aspect of things where there are nurses that uh, supporting those who have come out of hospital mm, mm. as acutely you yeah. know, discharged but still need the support yeah. once they're in the community. Yeah. And the psychiatrist follows you up mm. right through until you're well enough to either work or, you know, you've stabilised yourself. Mm. So, And all this is obviously private and confidential. You know, things mm. are not shared. No one knows anything about you mm. apart from the medical team and the multidisciplinary mm. team. So if we can do that for those who still want to access, that's another avenue. Mm. And I think people should because I see so many people walking around like potential mental health, like illness patients mm. and I think I wish you could just go see a doctor go see this yeah. you know yeah. and I'm just thinking this is just a little portion of people that I see where I am yeah how about in other environments where there are people that are just but they're, it's they're like zombies they're there but they're not yeah there. I know I know mm. we yes in our we we do you know yeah. as well yeah. yeah which is really heartbreaking yeah. so you do a lot of work how do you have fun <laughs> I'll tell you how I have fun. Once in a blue moon. I tend to enjoy going for a walk, going yeah. to the beach. I like to go to the sauna, go to the pools. So I create time for that. Good. And I enjoy to read and do a bit of painting as well. Thank so you. I just Yeah, so I just keep it to myself. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just honestly I just sit there out there in the garden, enjoy some yeah. sun and do nothing. Yeah. And a lot of people need to learn to do nothing. Yeah. We've spoken a lot about all the services that we have for mental health. We've got tons of services for hepatitis as well for the community to access, but they're not accessing them. What's, I guess, the final thing that you'd like to address the audience and tell them, uh, just to encourage them about the services that we have and to get them accessing them? One thing I'd encourage not just my communities, our community in general, is to start having this, you know, conversations at home and because everything begins at home, you know, wisdom comes from home, so the only place you'll gain it is from home. And get that strength to be able to discuss with even if it's not people like myself, people that you see here at the moment. Go directly to your GP. Do it in an avenue that's comfortable to you. There's no right or wrong about it. There is no correct formula to go about this. As long as you know the services that are available. I mean, we're all on Google and we need to find, you know, either to go to a restaurant or to find some way to go. The way to go about it is just Google Hepatitis WA and find out the information and the connections that are available from that. Or speak to your GP or speak to someone that's quite close to you within the community that's in, you know, in the medical field or get a referral and just see where your health will be at because you could always make an improvement in your well-being. Always. Yeah, great. And that's what I would say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.